And now everybody knows I have this kind of uh, this interesting relationship, I think, with Arnold, where I really criticize them in bigger, stronger, faster, but I've always really loved them. If you want to be somebody, go be somebody. And that's what Arnold did. This is where he's smart. This is where most people fail. He cared about everything, man. Pumping iron is what made him a star. And these are two of the biggest alpha males on the exactly. in the history exactly. of the planet. And they would always mess with each other. I really liked it. I, I, when I was watching it last night, I was kind of like in my negative, like, ah, screw Arnold. Ah, you know, like I, I was in this negative mood, but Arnold himself pulled me right out of it. You know, I, I continued to watch it and it just got better and better. And what I thought was beautiful is like, I know these guys watch Bigger, Stronger, Faster when they made this movie, because there are about seven or eight shots that are directly from Bigger, Stronger, Faster. And they actually play them at the same time. Like, you know, we're like Mary Lou Retton and the Hulk and all that. They put all these clips in. Like, I think they just, don't, I want to go back and look at it, but I think they might have cut it from our movie. I mean, look, making a second bigger, stronger, faster, to be honest, I can only lose. Pretty much I can only lose. Like, <laughs> it's good. You know, they're, 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 it would be rare for you to completely win that, you know? Morning out of Sacramento, California. Woo! What's it gonna do? Better. Stronger. Son of a bitch. Faster. Did you get to see the three-part documentary on Arnold? I'm about 30 minutes from the final. I, I'm 30 minutes from the very end of it. I've made it through almost the entirety of it. Yeah. It's fantastic. And now everybody knows I have this kind of, uh, this interesting relationship, I think, with Arnold, where I really criticize them in bigger, stronger, faster, but I've always really loved him. I've always really held him in a high esteem. I don't, it, one thing I always think is people think I'm mad at Arnold, but to be honest, the producers of bigger, stronger, faster is like, hey man, we need a bad guy. I'm like, how about Arnold? Because it's going to go against what I, you know, what people are think I'm going to think is the bad guy. I'm going to think the bad guy's a skinny little wimp, but maybe the bad guy's my hero, you know, because he's not telling me the full truth, right? Like that was the, the mindset behind it. And when I brought that up to my producers, like, oh my God, that's brilliant. We have to go attack Arnold. And the whole time I always felt nervous about it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about, about Arnold. He's amazing. I mean, you're, you're the highest fan of this man. Like you're a genius. Yeah. Genius I just want fan. people to understand that. Like the same thing with Hulk Hogan. And um, these people also like wear out their, their welcome and they change. And I think we need to be ready for that. You know, like if you look at the only one that hasn't jumped the shark yet is uh, Stallone. Like he hasn't done anything, you know, completely ridiculous yet. But, you know, the Hulkster and Arnold, they've seen a lot better days. Now, like it's not like Stallone is cranking out top notch, awesome movies, but everyone he'll, every once in a while. He'll squeak one out. Even like Rambo 4 was crazy or whatever. Rambo, like the latest Rambo. It's like if you actually sit and watch it, it's pretty crazy. And I, it's pretty entertaining. I know. But there's a lot of interesting things <clears throat> in this Arnold documentary that I wanted to discuss. Like it starts out, it's a really well done documentary by Netflix. It's really well made. It's really well shot. I mean, they shot these, uh, inter these beautiful interviews with Arnold like sitting next to his fireplace. And the whole room is dark. And there's just a fireplace in the background, he's almost lit by candlelight, and it looks amazing. You know, it's really cool. Uh, one of the criticisms I, I would make of it is, <clears throat> and it's probably not that big of a deal for most people, but for me, is uh, pacing is an important part of a movie. And it does seem to be a little bit slow because Arnold is, you know, he's in his 70s, and he just talks slower. And so um, I don't want them to speed him up or anything like that. But it just is... Um, 
wasn't as like, I guess, packed with information. The other thing that, that was surprising to me is Arnold has like no friends and family in the movie. It's like, it's just Arnold. They interview a couple other people, but it's rare that they cut to anybody but Arnold. He's telling you the story, which I think is a cool device. They have a movie like that with Mike Tyson called Tyson. That was really well done. <clears throat> and um, I definitely think this is worth watching. There's so much fun stuff that I don't want to ruin in there, like uh, casting choices. Just remember this when you watch it. Uh, they talk about a specific casting choice for the movie The Terminator, which is amazing. A fantastic, which I never saw coming, by the way. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But nobody could picture the guy as a murderer, so they didn't use him, <laughs> which is amazing, right? So anyway, um, there's some really cool stuff in this in this Arnold movie. There's really cool stuff about him bodybuilding, right? And what I want to like, I Mark and I say this to everybody. If you want to be somebody, go be somebody. And that's what Arnold did. Like, Arnold got himself popular in bodybuilding and then said, cool, now I want to be an actor. And I think a lot of people just, like, go into things and they don't, they don't have anything. They, they just want to be famous. You know, like, that's the thing nowadays. It's like, kids just want to be famous. It's like, well, pick a thing. Pick a sport. You know, pick a, um, an art. Pick something to go in and get really good at, and that way you're known as like this guy that does this. But then later on, you'll people will forget they even did that. This is where he's smart. This is where most people fail. Arnold was brilliant in the fact that he started investing in real estate, or like through his bodybuilding career, buying houses in Santa Monica that weren't that expensive now. That I know because I've lived in Santa Monica. These little tiny shack houses that Arnold bought for a hundred grand are worth two million dollars now. So he did a bunch of that kind of stuff before he ever got really famous and popular. He also owns uh, four high-rise buildings in downtown LA, and he owns his, um, in Venice, he owns his restaurant, Shotzi, which I don't think is open anymore, but he still owns that building, and his offices are in that building, and it's like the prime real estate of the entire country is uh, Santa Monica Main Street, and like Arnold owns the building, you know, and the reason why I think he was so successful in all of this is because he wasn't just a bodybuilder or an actor. He he cared about everything, man. When you look at the, when he would get a script, he would read the script and he'd go, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this B movie, The Terminator. It sounds like a B movie to me. But he's like, but then I read the script and the writing was really good. And it's like, how does Arnold even know that the writing is really good? It was something about it that caught his attention. We're like, hey, but this is cool. This could be a breakout hit, you know? And um, I think that that's interesting. You have to make these choices in life and, he had the wherewithal. Okay, so let's look at The Rock compared to Arnold. The Rock has how many movies? 20, 30? A, a lot at this point, right? A and lot. I would venture to say that The Rock maybe has two or three good movies, decent movies. Decent by what standard, though? Box well, I don't even know. Like, critics? People hate the movies I like from The Rock. The only movie I really like from The Rock is um, Pain and Gain that he's in but Fantastic. that that movie is way over the top and i get why people don't get it or why people don't like it michael bay made it it was way over the top i actually had had that script in my hands for a long time uh trying to get it get it made and direct it and really yeah and then like michael bay came along and like scooped it up wow so that was kind of disappointing because i have a friend his name's jason dudek and he lives out in um florida and he was around for that whole thing that went down. And he's the one that sent me the article. He obtained the rights to the article. However, Michael Bay um, obtained the rights to a different article from a different thing and wrote a script and got it made. What an interesting workaround. So you lost the IP because 
of a second article. Is that right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Because like they can just they can just go to that author and say, "Hey, we really like this twenty-page in-depth article you wrote about this crime in you know the New Times in Miami, and we want to make it into a movie." Uh, but like, if you look at The Rock, The Rock hasn't made those choices. John Cena hasn't made those choices. Uh, you know, uh, I've talked to John Cena's agent a bunch and like pitched him things that they they don't they don't like. You know, I was like back in the day, I was like, "You got to put him up for He Man." And his his agent told me like he's like no we don't we don't want him to get him typecast and like who would be a better He Man? They didn't they never made the movie but there was rumors that they're gonna make Master of the Universe ten years ago, and when those rumors came about that's when I was telling him because I think that that's like who could be better? Yeah, I think he would have crushed. He is not to dovetail off of the uh, off of Arnold for too long, but man, what a legacy of action heroes and John Cena. Is I think right at Peacemaker. I, I I haven't been more entertained by a series than I was in Peacemaker in a really long time. If John Cena keeps going the Peacemaker direction and works with James Gunn and does all these things, he's going to be bigger than The Rock. I, I I've always Mark and I have always said that that we've known John since he was 22 years old. We helped him get into wrestling, and if he wants to, he'll be as big as Arnold. He's got to make. He's got to make better choices with the movies. Like the first movie, The Marine, that was trash, but at least it got him into making movies. Then the second movie he did was even more trash called 12 Rounds. It was terrible. And, um, and it's hard when you, when you have these movies that flop. Then you got to come, you know, you got to come through with something like Peacemaker that ignites the world. And I think, I think he's on the right path now. And getting into the, uh, even though I don't really like the Fast and Furious movies, he got into those, and that's, that's great. Now, given all these people are making tons of money, like tons of money. It's like ridiculous for me to even be sitting here uh, criticizing it. However, um, I don't know, man. I I couldn't do it. I got to do stuff I love. I got to do stuff I believe in. I got to be involved in stuff I believe in. That, uh, that Arnold, though, he did not come out of the par- out, out of the gate like making amazing movies either, though, right? No. So if you those first, it looked like there was two or three that they featured that were well, frankly he did. bad, right? Well, yeah, yeah, that, that's where he learned his lessons, like early on in like these smaller movies. So he did Hercules Comes to New York and they dubbed his voice in and he was terrible. But actually his second movie was called Stay Hungry and that was with, I think, Bo Bridges and all these other, you know. Sally Fields. Sally Fields, something like that, yeah. yeah. And so that movie kind of got him on the map and he was playing a bodybuilder in that movie so it like it worked for him and it got him like a little bit more pump popularity but what really got him popular and this is actually incredible an incredible shout out to george butler who made pumping iron pumping iron is what made him a star and when you watch this movie back about arnold they put him in a group of like 10 people he outperformed all of them like not just on stage but you know on camera now what was that like a mockumentary was that like was it's it, a dramatized documentary it, but, okay not mock but dramatized right because it was pretending to follow him through an actual competition but he wasn't though is that correct i don't know if when they were filming it if they filmed it like after you know i don't know any of that it, from i mean that's what i got from the but from you, the documentary look, we just watched that that was after you could easily do it because the amount that your body changes in the eight weeks before a show back then in the 80s you know, 1977, it wasn't that different. You know what I mean? Like now, I don't think you'd get away with it because you'd be like, wait, the guy's way more ripped. And then he, and if they shot it later, he would look way different. That, that part was vague. I couldn't tell. Uh, well, my understanding was that was like shot during his last major competition with Mr. Olympia. But my understanding it, is that he can't, my understanding is that he, um, shot that they that they shot that movie but then they took some of the scenes and they made them fake 
So like, it's more that than it. Like, I think it was a true. What I, from what I know, it's a true documentary. But the things like uh, Lou Ferrigno's dad doesn't train him. They weren't close. Really? Yeah, you know, like those kind of things. Like that, yeah, that whole story So they line. made them really yeah. close, and they made, you know, they made uh, his dad train him. But, like, literally his dad trained him. Like, somebody told me, I think maybe even Lou told me, that his dad trained him, like, on the days that they shot. And that was it. His whole life. That's wild. <laughs> you know I, mean, I mean, Hollywood's got to do what Hollywood a, does, right? they, they got to make an a interesting Mickey. story. They needed to make... His yeah. dad... Uh, Ferrigno's dad is amazing. You know? You know the guy? Or you just know no, him No, he's amazing. In, in, I know Lou. Yeah. And Lou is great. Lou is always awesome. All Lou Ferrigno does all day is make fun of uh, Michael Hearn. So you know what he does? He comes up to me, and he has the same joke every time, because Lou Ferrigno is Incredible Hulk. He doesn't have many jokes. And he comes up to me, and he always goes, and you know what that means? He used to do it, and I, I was trying to like figure out what it means. And he's like, it's the spray paint, the spray paint. And I'm going, huh? And then I just start dying laughing. He's talking about the spray paint on late night TV where you fill your hair in. Right, to hide he the would, bald spot. He would say, oh, Hearn, use that. <laughs> and he would just come up to me and go, Ksh. and I don't know why he had a vendetta against Mike. I think it was a, um, I think it was like a little personal vendetta. There's a couple people in our gym that have had like fallings out with him, but they're not, they never last. Then I see them training together, you know, three weeks later. So it's always like, you know, I think some people just get, you know. It must, you know, when you're used to being the best guy in any room you go into, and then you see another person on that level, it must be some sort well, of an ego shake. And these are two of the biggest alpha males on the, exactly. in the history exactly. of the planet. Lou Ferrigno and Michael Hearn. It's like they're only going to get along for five minutes before something. It's kind of like Arnold and, and um, Stallone. The Arnold and Sto Stallone uh, relationship it is amazing, you know, where he said, I want to, like, Stallone's like, I want to throw him off a cliff. Like, how do you feel about Arnold? He's like, I want to throw him off a cliff. He hated him. And they would always mess with each other. And I remember, like, um, Mike uh, Mike Ryan, my trainer friend, he's good friends with Arnold. And he would tell me these stories that Arnold would tell him. He said, you know, we were supposed to go to a premiere for, like, one of my movies, like True Lies or something. And I told uh, Stallone, hey, I'm wearing this bright blue suit. So you should dress real colorful, maybe wear red or something. It's like Stallone shows up in this weird red suit and Arnold's wearing a tuxedo, normal tuxedo, like <laughs> totally clowned. Like everybody's like, what, what is Stallone wearing? Oh, and in the documentary again, I guess spoilers, 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 where he told the guy, okay, hey, when he gave the guy the, the nod, like, okay, the, the pose off, he's like, all right, let's go, let's go. And the, the guy turns, I mean, Well, wow. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like in Pumping Iron, there is a part where, Arnold tells the guy, you just got to get up there and scream. Yeah. And the louder you scream and the more noise you make, the better you're going to be. And, and they're like, what happened? The guy's like, you got disqualified. Remember high, high, high screams for upper body, low screams for lower body or something like that, right? The funniest scene in Pumping Iron that Mark and I, we always notice the little things. It's never like the big main parts of the movie. There's a scene in Pumping Iron where a guy reaches back, his hands like in his butt for like a couple seconds, and then he, he like looks around and goes and sniffs his fingers. You're, <laughs> are you aware of this? No, I don't remember that scene. It's amazing. It's like, why is that in there? And like, who, how did the editor let that one slip through? I think I, I, we think it's on purpose. It is, on, yeah, for sure. Has yeah, to be. I mean, that kind of has to be on purpose, right? But if you look at Arnold, where he got to have wh what I liked about this movie, I, I really liked it. I, I, when I was watching it last night, 
I was kind of like in my negative, like, ah, screw Arnold. Ah, you know, like I, I was in this negative mood, but Arnold himself pulled me right out of it. You know, I, I continued to watch it and it just got better and better. And be, the reason it got better is because there, there came some adversity. There was no adversity to a guy who is like, first of all, Arnold's like a good looking dude. He looks cool. Like he's a good looking guy. He's jacked. I've never seen anybody built like that. He had all these tools. And so it was like, it wasn't super easy, but I, he went to the gym when he was 16. And by the time he was 18, 19, he was more jacked than anybody. So like that says a lot about hard work, but it says even more about genetics, I think. Are you ready for inappropriate discussion time? No. <laughs> Fair. Can I hit you with it anyways? Sure. All right. What do you think about the idea? Of, <laughs> that's funny, Chris. The idea of the groping Arnold. I wanted to uh, address that. Let me just set the stage. You're 27. You're a millionaire. You've won every title. You look like he looks. How often does that man hear a sincere no? Mm -hmm. Out of every passes that he made, how many were like, yeah. honestly, like, hey, you just violated my boundaries? And how many were like, oh, my God, I've been hoping that this was going to happen? Yeah, and and you, and I would say those cases, they're, they're probably mixed. There's probably times when he saw like a girl, he really, you know, that he went after her and, and maybe did something. Because he kind of admits to it in the movie. He's like, rather than, uh, which I do like, rather than deny it and say, I never acted like that. He said, I was a movie star. I was 25 years old. And he's like, I did some things I probably shouldn't have done. I like that. I'm cool with that. I can accept that. I'm really treading on unfair conversation in it. And, and forgive me if I sound like an idiot, Chris. When, when you're so used to being, it's a little bit like the Trump syndrome, right? When you're, when you're rich or a millionaire, I mean, it, it, well, it's got to warp your mind. Yeah, my best friend is six foot eight and was the best basketball player in the entire city of Boston and was on the cover of the newspaper, like the sports page, every single day when he was in high school. So he was like famous in his hometown. How many times a week do you think your best friend got had women throw themselves at him? Every day. Every day. And that's why that's why it breaks your thinking. The day that he the day that he got married, he snuck off and cheated on his wife. Like the day he got married. So that's what happens to people. They have too many options. And do they just? Do, I mean, do a lot of men just lose perspective on what's inappropriate? To, I think there, so. What, what, there's a syndrome here going on, I think right? so. You get used to it. There's a trap uh, It's really interesting because the other day I was at, using ChatGBT and just for some dumb reason I was like asking it, you know, questions. And then I asked it about Harvey Weinstein and it wouldn't, it, it won't talk, it won't even let you talk about him, which is amazing. Amazing. Like, I, so I started going down the rabbit hole asking more questions about Harvey Weinstein. And it'll say like, although, you know, Harvey Weinstein was a producer, like we don't, you know, he did a lot of inappropriate things and we don't want to talk about. Yeah, I know, I, know, I know what I'm saying. Isolated sounds like I'm trying to condone it. I'm not. I'm really just more curious what, you know, what takes what sort of perverts a person's thinking. I think know? it's that. I think it's too many options. Too easy. It's too easy. And then you don't have you, know, you don't ever have anybody telling, you no. And I think it's also like a reason why you'll hear a lot of people like this army hammer guy that wants to eat people. It's like after you do, <laughs> after you do all these things to women or men, where's there to go? So you got to go somewhere else, right? You gotta, you gotta find it somewhere else. You gotta find it excitement in the next thing, you know, or in the threesome, or in the foursome, or the five. You know, it's like, and then we have to ask ourselves, like, what, like, uh, what would Russell do? Snap the wrist? Like, what would Jesus do? No, it's I, like, what would Russell do? Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's I, a, I've been blessed with, 
you know, not having to be faced with those situations. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? And I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have fared well, you know, because I've had those options and I've gone the wrong way a couple times, you know, down the road. I, nothing like that would ever be illegal, but like things that, yeah, exactly. things that would really piss off my girlfriend <laughs> or whoever I was with, you know. And so those things have to be looked at. I think um, hopefully Arnold learned from that and and can like move on from that, you know? Uh, it is interesting that he denied this child of his, Joseph Baina, for 20 years. And now they're like best friends. So like, that's a complex relationship. I wonder how that kid really feels. I, it's hard to say. You know, like he denied that kid being his son for a long, long time. Did you? I don't know if you had a chance to get all the way through the documentary. And the kid you. is awesome. Yeah. They, He's he, awesome. He even talked about how I hate bringing this up only because every time I bring it up, I know it's just going to bring hardship to my family. Yeah. It's probably going to hurt his ex, going to hurt his daughter. I mean, there's... It says a, a lot that Maria Shriver, like, isn't really in the movie or any of these people. Um, I, I I didn't get through the whole thing. I'm still watching, like, the, some like you. I'm, like, about 30 minutes out from the end, but I will watch it as soon as we're done with this. I was trying to get it done before we did this, and I, I bombed out. So, anyway, um, yeah, but it's interesting. Like, nobody from his life is in is in his movie. And I don't know if that was like a specific on purpose choice, but where's Patrick, who's now like an actor? Where's Joseph? Like maybe they come in at the end, last 30 minutes, hope so. But uh, but none of that's in there. Maybe just as a director and just as a storytelling device, like you were saying earlier, it was just easier and cleaner just to have it just be all his monologuing with some, you know, with some yeah. ends of the story. And what I thought was beautiful is like, I know these guys watch Bigger, Stronger, Faster when they made this movie, because there are about seven or eight shots that are directly from Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and they actually p play them at the same time. Like, you know, we're like Mary Lou Retton and the Hulk and all that. They put all these clips in like, I think they just, I want to go back and look at it, but I think they might have cut it from our movie, unless we cut it from something else. Like, we might we might have stole a full clip that had those cut-ins in it, but I'm, I remember specifically, I had to go to Lou Ferrigno and get him to sign a document and give him 800 bucks to use that shot of the Hulk. That's sick, dude. I feel like that's almost Easter egg worthy right there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, your, your first film was iconic, right? You know, I, mean, I was just thinking that. of this. This is crazy because we're actually we're getting ready to make Better, Stronger, Faster, the sequel to Bigger, Stronger, Faster. And I looked up on uh, I was like, you know, I wonder if I could get into Sundance again. Could you do something as interesting 15 years later about the same thing that's that interesting? I don't know. But I looked it up and I said, like, let me see how hard it is to get into Sundance. Like, what are the odds? What do you think the odds are out of the amount of movies that get submitted every year? They let, in, they let in about 22 documentaries. How many get submitted, do you know? Do you know what like the submission is? <laughs> it's ridiculous. I wanna hear it. It's like over 2,500 feature oh, documentaries. Wow. So it's like 2%. It's 2% of the movies get in, that get, is it 2,000 or is it 20,000? Must be 2,000. I don't know, they said two to 3% of the movies get in. And then that made me like, first of all, go, oh shit. And then it also kind of, gave me some pride going like that's pretty cool man that's like the first movie i did you know the second film i did uh i don't know if a lot of people don't know this this is like there are people in their lives have make it break it moments and every time i've had a make it break it moment it's broken and sometimes it's broken because of my fault and sometimes it's broken because of the world's just broken and when i made prescription thugs we went back to sundance and 
we were like, let's see how this movie does, you know, like, so let's see what they say. They announced all the movies and they, they rejected everybody. And all of our friends that were like applied with other movies, like, yeah, yeah, we got rejected. And I'm like, we haven't heard anything yet. We haven't heard anything yet. We haven't heard anything yet. So I'm on the way to Bodega Bay to go meet my brother because they had just had got a house up there. Or not, they didn't buy the house yet. They were just, they'd go up there and, and, um, and stay and we'd all hang out. So it was before they had a house there. I'm on my way up there like the day that it's like Thanksgiving morning or the day before Thanksgiving and I get a phone call and they're like, hey, this is, you know, so-and-so from Sundance. And I'm like, this is it. They're going to let me in. And the guy goes, I have to regret to inform you. It came down to Prescription Thugs and one other movie. And just to consent, like, I'm the one calling you because, like, it was a guy I already knew, you know. He goes, I'm calling you because I already know you. And I just figured it would be easier to hear it from me that, like, honestly, your movie is just as good as the other movie. Uh, maybe better. But we had to make a decision, and we made a decision based on two things. It, the other film fits our programming more, and the other person's never been here. And we want to give somebody else a shot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I understand. Meanwhile, like, I wanted to go, like, sabotage a guy and, you know, kidnap him so he couldn't show his movie. Well, that first thing fits our programming. That's, that's a very... That's an easy, that's an easy, um, let me, let me just shun you nicely. Because I know those, like, a lot of times, um, it's weird, you know, I go into Netflix and I pitch stuff. And they love it. Like in the room, they love it. I think they get together and they talk about it and somebody in the room shits on it and then it goes out the window. The, the other thing is this, Netflix doesn't make movies like I make them. So they don't give a guy a camera and say, put yourself in the middle of this. And the reason I'm in the middle of all my documentaries is I just happen to be in the middle of it. I'm actually pitching to Netflix a documentary called The Menace of Venice about Dan Duchesne, who is like the steroid guru. Well, guess who's in most of the trailer? Me, because I'm the only one that knows about it. <laughs> you know, So who else are you gonna get to talk about it? So it's me talking about what I know with the authors of books and the people that were involved in his life. And then when we actually make the movie, it's gonna be a crime caper and it's gonna have the FBI and the CIA. It's gonna have all these, you know, different, not the CIA, the FDA, the DEA, the FBI, like all that stuff. And, and I think that that'll be really, really fascinating, but it's, it's probably something that doesn't fit what they normally do. But what I did is I took a movie about something they wouldn't normally talk about, which is steroids, and I had made a true crime movie. So I'm trying to like fit the uh, fit into the envelope the other way. You know, back to this uh, this Arnold thing. It seemed like in the beginning of the movie, like Arnold didn't have much adversity at all. It was a pretty it seemed pretty easy. But what I do admire him for, and what I really thought was cool, and what I took away from this was. He tried to get into acting, and every single person told him, you have a stupid accent, you sound dumb, your name's too long, lose the name, lose the whatever. I think somebody told him, like Burt Kreischer or something, told him lose the name or something, right? Who, who was talking about that the other day? It was a comedian. I met Arnold. No, it couldn't have been Burt because Burt's too young for that. Some he said older Arnold Strong. They wanted him to use the surname of Arnold Strong, and he said it was the era of small actors, Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, yeah. like you're, you're a big ogre. What, what would Somebody you be on, on the podcast for? said, I met Arnold a long time ago, and I told him, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, it, it might have been on Rogan. I forget who it was. It was like a comedian. And I said, you got to lose the accent. Interesting. You know, and, you, and, and the name will never work. And who was, the, who was the comedian that's alive and well now that was doing it back in the 80s like Arnold? Because he, I think maybe Dice. Was it Dice? Yeah. No, oh, I no. Think, oh, Dice, no. Dice wouldn't no, even be old enough. That might be it, though. That might be it, though. But I don't even think he would be old enough, would he? <sighs> 
Who was it? It was it on Rogan that they said it. I'm, you know, I I would be pretending if I went. I, I'm not certain. Right. Here we can cut this out, but let me take a little look here through the because uh, if I can find it, then we're on we're in business here. Mark Hamill once told oh, Arnold. Mark Hamill. That's yeah. right. So it yeah. was okay. So I was right, dude. <laughs> it was Burt Kreischer. Yes. That told the story yes. of Mark Hamill oh, on Two Bears. Good pull, Chris. What's amazing is Mark Hamill got thrown into obscurity after that. Well, he was never to be heard of again. Accident. I think it changed him. Like I think his face got all messed up for a little while. Is that why he had the scar on his face I in Star so. Wars? I it was think that, so. Was that what happened? I, I, I remember I, something like that. I'm kind of I'm talking out of a two thirds memory of something I once heard. Wow, man, that Star Wars like that's it's crazy because if you look at um, Carrie Fisher, she had a rough life. Um, you know, it's it's a weird, weird curse over there. It's I mean, and you've dealt with this a little bit, right? When when you come out of the gate making a masterpiece, how do you follow that? How do you follow a masterpiece? You know what, it's interesting because it's like fighting, right? When you come out of the gate and you're seven and oh, people think you're a terror. Then you lose your next three fights and you actually might be really good, but you just lost. But if you lost in the beginning, it wouldn't matter. And then you'd be on a tear, right? So it's always like that, like what have you done lately? When you're a victim of your own success. That's such a strange well, like, phenomenon. Yeah, if I make, I mean, look, making a second bigger, stronger, faster, to be honest, I can only lose. Pretty much I can only lose. Like, <laughs> it's good. You know, they're, 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 it would be rare for you to completely win that, you know? You still have people like, well, but I like the original. You know what I mean? You're going to always get that. I'm not saying that you lose, but it's like, it's a losing proposition. It's not going to be better than the first one. I mean, that'd be really rare, you know? However... Can we make it more informative? Can we make it more instructive? My goal with this movie is bigger, stronger, faster. People tell me they watch bigger, stronger, faster. And like, I watch bigger, stronger, faster, and all I wanna do is work out. And I'm like, with what information? There's not one explanation of like what a rep or a set is in that movie or, or anything, right? So I think that in broad, general, generalized terms, this next movie can actually show that stuff, can actually show the things that we're doing to improve our lives and can give you ideas so that you can go research it and go off into it. And then the other thing I would like to do with this movie, if we have the right help, is to develop like um, training programs and protocols and things for people that we can, like we, there's no reason why Mark and I shouldn't have like protocol that the whole world can follow. You know, training, eating, whatever. Maybe it should be a book, and and maybe we can do that along with this movie. Maybe it's something that Mark could do along with the movie because Mark's got a way better grip on instructional stuff. You know, so I want to try to do things that are going to really help people. And if you make a movie that the only help that it's ever given anybody that I know of from Bigger, Stronger, Faster is like, they're like, hey, man, thanks a lot. Help my girlfriend understand. And then other people say, hey, man, thanks a lot. My mom let me be on the juice now because of your movie. <laughs> and that's not the reason that, that's not the reason I made it. I'm glad that it, really happy that it can help people and change their lives. But I think something like Prescription Thugs, I've got, I got a lot more real comments from Prescription Thugs than I've ever gotten in my life and A Leaf of Faith. Those are, those are heartfelt, crying their eyes out. I need your help. Please help me. Can you please call me? You know, I'm at my wit's end. I'm going to kill myself. We didn't get that with Bigger, Stronger, Faster. So there's something dire about the other side of this, uh, you know, pharmaceutical thing. And so with this movie, hopefully the people that are reaching out are saying, like, I've tried a thousand times and I can't lose weight. I've done it. You know, what do I do? I've done everything. And all they really probably need you to do, to be honest, most people, all they really needed me to do is pick up the phone or text them back. 
And when you get back to them, it like makes their day. Then it hit you up three weeks later until they're, they're on the diet. Now, most of these people probably crash and burn, to be honest. But there's a lot of people that don't. Are you getting ready for when your reach is bigger than you can deal with? Are you getting ready for that time? Like another, like, fast forward 18 months from now, and you won't even ever turn on your Instagram because you'll just be flooded with, you know, it, it, you get, it's like how I look at when I look at my emails. There, there, I, there becomes different ways to help people. So if you get the same question eight times, write a post about it. You know, like that's, that's kind of what I've been doing lately is trying to like just condense things down and like, okay, write a post. And then, you know, the, some people might have questions or whatever, but usually there's enough information in my post that you can go to the website or go to where you need to go to get that you know, to get that last bit of information. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'll kind of always be available. It's like um, I go through my, uh, my DMs, you know, a lot, and I'll just see, like, names I recognize or something like that. And I usually just hit them first, and, and you know, like I already have a relationship with these people. The other people that never got a message back, um, they're not really even expecting it, you realize. Most people aren't expecting it. And that's what helps me be off the hook is that nobody's mad about it. Nobody's like, hey, bro, I hit you up three times. I didn't hear you're back. Flooded. You're flooded with that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I think people it. just get it and they go, oh, you're flooded with it. And there's also a lot of spam and the spam makes it a mess too because you can't even find who's sending you a real message. You know, you go down the list and there's like 10 girls and all the girls are fake. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it is. They're yeah, all yeah. fake. They're like, hi. Hi. Yeah. Smiley face. Yeah. yeah. All right, man, that's it. Go watch Arnold on Netflix. It's pretty awesome. I really enjoyed it. Hope you guys do too. Thanks.